Welcome to Life Changes Church at Home. Firstly, a massive welcome to our first-time visitors, those who are joining us. You've never seen our face. You don't know our story. It is such a privilege to have you with us. We love it that we get to be together in these moments, in the midst of trial and challenge. What better way to navigate these storms than with the Word of God, with worship, with all that He is doing us? How good is it to worship together? And I trust that you're engaging. I trust you're on the front foot. I trust to keep, keep your husband awake if he's nodding off. Keep the kids in the room. Get your notepads. Get your Bibles. We're going to gather around His Word at this moment. But... To state the obvious, it's been a massive week for our nation. And I want to say, number one, I'm super proud to be South African. I've never been prouder to be South African. Our president got up, made a massively courageous call at an exceptionally tough time. And as he spoke, I felt these mixed emotions, as I'm sure you did. On the one hand, pride of being South African. On the one hand, confidence that we are going to navigate the storm with incredible ability. We're going to see God's favor and hand. On the other hand, my heart breaking. Because as someone who understands something of business, I know that this is going to hurt many people. It's going to hurt businesses. And I've spent the last 24 hours fielding calls from friends who've been retrenched, friends who've had navigating or forced to navigate massive decisions in their businesses. And I want to tell you, you are in our prayers. Keep in touch. Keep talking to us. If we can help in any way, be it specific prayers or just a moment on conversation, let's make sure we are navigating together. Let's make sure we aren't isolating. Let's make sure we are bracing each other in the storm with the word, the wisdom, and the ways of God. But we love you, and it's such a privilege to navigate these times together. I want to say that at this time, my number one job is to brace you not with my zeal, my passion, my courage, but with the Word of God, with what He says, what He says is most important at these times, and with His character and His nature in these moments. Lockdown is a new reality. For me, it kicks off, and, and it's kicked off in a way that I'm spending hours with my three kids at home, and we are forced to navigate life in very close proximity. I am an ADHD boy. I watch every car that goes past the road. I get excited. I need a burn of energy, and we need wisdom and strategies for this, and I'm praying for parents. I'm praying for families. I'm praying for marriages, and just a shout out, we're going to invest in marriages at this time. And we want to invite you, join us to jump into that investment as we give opportunity to bolster and strengthen our marriages at this time. Get involved in Life Group Live and, and make sure you're in community. Get your kids involved in the curriculum that has been made available. Become a part of the solution and give time, talent, and treasures in these moments. But as we jump into the Word now, I want to preach this morning about being locked down in love. No, not a Kanye West song. Just a word that I felt God has spoken to us at this season as we are locked down at home. That's the language. That's the reality. That's the situation. But there were many lockdowns in the Bible, and not just spiritual, many physical lockdowns. We, we see from the start God's people locked down in Egypt and then locked down in the desert. We see David locked down with 400 disgruntled, uh, disillusioned, in debt uh, men in a cave. We see others, we see Joseph in slavery, locked in slavery, locked in prison, and we see Jesus locked down in the narrowness and the smallness of a woman's womb for nine months after leaving the perfection of heaven. We see all these lockdowns, and every time, if I, you gave me three minutes on any of those stories, I would tell you that each and every one of those people were locked down in the love of an almighty God. 
And as we navigate this story, I was drawn to a story that I love, some of the most profound gospel truth that is presented in four chapters in the book of Jonah. I want to read from Jonah chapter 1, the story of a man who is running from God, running from his purposes. He's had this successful ministry, but God called him to an exceptionally tough time, and God locked him down. And you probably know the story. He locked him down, I would say in love, but in the belly of a whale. So here we go, Jonah chapter 1. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, so that we will not perish. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And then in verse 17, to jump in, Jonah prays, and he says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's just what happened as Jonah goes into his prayer. It's a radical situation. My first point is simple. He was locked down in the safest place. And um, it's a big talk, a talking point at this time, especially amongst younger friends of mine. Where am I going to do my lockdown? Some have tried to get away from their parents. Some have tried to stay close to mom's cooking. Some have tried to bunker down with friends. To, they would be locked down for 21 days. The idea of social isolation, just way too much for people. Others are upping their Wi-Fi, getting all the plans in place so they can keep connected. It's forced people to meet their neighbors, and they're going to be their best friends after 21 days. But where would you choose to spend your lockdown moments? And there's so many different options. Jonah was running from God. Jonah was a rebel on the run from the purposes and the plans of God. And God breaks in and says, actually, I'm going to lock you down. Many have encountered bad news this week. And actually, the news of the lockdown is the least of it. Some retrenchments. And you're facing what happens after this. After Corona passes, there's a life beyond this. My five-year plan out the window. My financial plan out the window. My planning around weddings that have been canceled and, and moments that have had to be installed. But God breaks in through a storm. And I'm not saying God is using the storm or God sent the storm. But I will tell you, God will break in in the storm and use storms to get us back on purposes and plans. And he'll do it by placing us and hiding us away in the storm. It's an incredible story of Jonah as he's running from God. He runs from God, but in all his plans, he's running to where he thinks an open door exists. And he runs straight into the eye of the storm. Who are you running from at this time? Where are you running from? Or what situation are you running from? Maybe you want to run to other things. I want to tell you at this time, run to God as He leads and navigates because in the midst of the storm and the storm rages and God orchestrates that Jonah gets thrown board, overboard and he gets placed in the safest place, the stinky, dirty belly of a whale. Jonah gets placed and Jonah gets locked down in love. And... Um, See, at this time, it's about knowing who God is. And in placing Jonah in the belly of the whale, God reveals who he is. It says this in verse 17. This is an act of grace. This is an act of compassion. If your perspective of God is this big, angry judge, this one who said, well, Jonah walked away, and so this is a judgment. I want to tell you the Word of God presents something very different. 
Number one, it says this in verse 17. Now the Lord provided, say provided. Who doesn't like when things are provided? Right now, imagine pizzas could still be provided to your house. Imagine all the things you love and the space could be provided to you. It says this, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. And you see, God's provision is our safety in lockdown at this time. What was greater than the threat of being locked down in the belly of a whale? What about death? Certain death. Death drowning in waters. And God knew that. And Jonah knew that. And that whale comes along. And Jonah sitting in the belly of the whale is processing the provision of God in the midst of the storm. He's saying, who is God? Could this be the hand of my God locking me down in safety at this time, completely safe from the storm? You see, God reveals himself as he has always done. He's always been the God who reveals himself. In the fall, he sends them out of the garden, but he goes with them. In, in, in the Exodus, he sends them into the desert, but he places his presence in the form of the ark in the midst of them. In Jesus' birth, he breaks in in the form of his life. And in the cross, he gives the greatest gift that's ever been given. God keeps revealing his character and nature in the midst of storms. Will you see him at this time? See, Jonah, rebellious and running, God provides a whale as a safe place, the safest place for his son at that time. See, God provided it. For Noah and his family, God gave the ark. For Daniel, it was the lion's den. The safest place Daniel could have ever been was in the lion's den. For Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the safest place they could be was with their God in a pit of fire. For the many others, for David, the safest place he could ever have been was on a battlefield fighting a Goliath because God was with him for a rubber on a cross next to Jesus. The safest place he could ever be was close to Jesus receiving his grace saying, today you'll be with me in paradise. What's your safe place right now? Maybe you feel like you're locked down in the belly of a whale. I want to tell you, our God's not scared of a bit of mess. He's not scared to lock you down in a safe place with your mess and your past and your brokenness all wrapped in and your marriage that right now is under pressure and your finances that are causing turmoil. And I want to ask you and implore you and take this story of the safest place Jonah could have been for those three days. It was in the belly of a whale. Why? Because the Father in heaven provided it for him. What's God provided for you? Stay there. I'm not talking about a house. I'm talking about the presence of God. I'm talking about the promise of salvation. I'm talking about every promise we are given through the Word of God. Stay there. It's the safest place you could be right now. Point number two is simply this. Our salvation is always greater than our circumstance because our Savior is always greater than our storm. Funny story. Many years ago when I was six years old, my dad left me in the car. We had a three-liter Ford Cortina Bucky, an epic, epic, epic vehicle. But we lived in Durban, and in Durban there's just hills, and he said to me, stay here. I want you to stay here. I want you to touch nothing. Just stay here. I'm going to go do something inside. Stay here. So to a six-year-old, that feels like lockdown forever. Don't touch anything. Stay here. No one wants to hear that at six years old. If there are any six years old in the room, say, amen, this is your moment. So after a few minutes, I got antsy. I'm discovering what everything's going on. I jump into the driver's seat. I'm playing with the steering wheel. I start seeing that the gear lever's moving, so it's not in gear. I'm touching every indicator. And then I realize there's this other thing to the left, 
which at the time I didn't know was called a handbrake, and I'd seen my dad do things with it, and I just thought you pulled it in and pulled it out, and it stopped the car. So I thought I'd touch it, and as I touched it, it shot back in. And the car started to roll down the hill. And this is the worst thing. I am not in a safe space anymore. I'm locked down in a vehicle careering down a hill in Durban. I'm going to kill someone. And I'm telling you at six years old, it takes a long time to pay off a car. So I grabbed the one thing that had let go and caused all this chaos. And I started to hold it. And I was holding and I was holding and I was holding. And I didn't want to shout because I thought if I shouted, I'm going to get trouble because I got told not to run this way. I got told not to do this. I got told not to touch anything. Sudden shout. And for what felt like hours, it was probably 10 minutes. I held on with all my might, six years old, uh, just holding on to this handbrake, thinking, I cannot shout, don't shout, don't shout. Why? Because I had a perspective that I was going to get in trouble. And then all of a sudden, I realized I couldn't do it anymore. And then I, I realized I'm going to let go. This thing's going to go careering. I need help. And I started to shout out, Dad, Dad, come help me, Dad. And a few seconds later, my dad came running. He reached through the window, grabbed the handbrake from me, and just turned it into position. If only I'd known that part. He just put it in position, and the car was safe. And he looked at me and said, sorry, boy, are you okay? It wasn't what I expected, and it's probably not what you expected. And as we navigate these storms, there are these moments where we struggle. And it goes like this for Jonah. It's the very same situation. He's inside his lockdown. He's stinky. He's dirty. He sees no way out. He's holding on to the handbrake because he thinks that's his one way to life. He's in the depths of the sea. He's in trouble. And in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed, the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. I want to tell you today, I want to tell you who God is. God is not distant. He's never been distant. He wants to hear your cry. Maybe you're in distress. Maybe you're dirty with sin and brokenness and rebellion upon your life. I want to tell you, He wants to hear your cry in the very state you're in. It says, in my distress, I cried out. Will you humble yourself and call out to the living God today? Maybe you encountered Him when you were six years old or younger. Will you stop and this, in, in this moment of confusion and chaos and no clarity in terms of the future, will you stop in this moment and just go, Father! You've got employees who need to be paid. Father, you've got family who are looking for security. Father, will you cry out? Will you humble yourself? Will you get off your arrogant position in pride like every one of us have had to do? Stop holding on with all your might because you can't. This is bigger than you and the things you've held on to, this storm is bigger than. And call on to the only one who can save right now says this in verse 5, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. If you've ever had that situation, you know it's the most fearful thing that could ever happen. It says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. And then it all changes. Verse 7, But you, Lord God, my, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When I, my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And then probably the most profound theology you can find 
in the Bible. It says this, to those, those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. See, what hasn't changed here? Well, his circumstance, his storm. He's in the belly of the whale. He's still stinky. He has no way out. There's no precedent for this. There's no playbook for this. There's no plan for this. There's just what he knows of God. It's just what he knows of his character and his nature. There's just that. He cries out and he makes this statement. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love that could be theirs. Another version says they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. There are many things I'm prepared to forfeit at this time and in times of storm, but not the grace of God, not the goodness of God, not the promises of God. What are you clinging to right now? Because I want to tell you, if it's not stronger than this storm, it might be your business. It might be the plans you have in place. It might be your education. It might be government action. It might be whatever. Is it stronger than the storm? Is it greater than the storms that rage? Is it more powerful than the storm? Because I promise you this. If it's not greater than the storm and if it's not more powerful than the storm, it's the very thing that'll take you down. The thing you're holding onto will be the very thing that will take you down. And at this time, it's to hold on to the grace that can be ours at this time. And then to make a statement to the heavenlies, to my heart, and to every circumstance and situation that salvation comes from one place and one place only from God. From the almighty King of kings who is above it all, beyond it all, created it all, is in control of it all. And you speak it and you shout it, not just to your soul, but to the heavens from whatever circumstance you find yourself in. See, still in the belly of the fish. No hope, no light, no way of getting out. And the amazing thing is God responds incredibly powerfully. In verse 10, it says this, And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So not the glorious landing many expected. Some of us might come out on the other side of this a little bit vomited onto dry land, but I promise you it's his faith to declare the salvation that comes only from God that ensured he came out the front part of the whale. I'm not going to explain that, but I'm telling you, lacking faith, all that, he might have come out another part, but it's his faith and his declaration that caused him to be vomited up on that land at this time back into the purposes and the plans of God. Why? Because his Savior was greater than the storm and he would not be overcome by a circumstance. And lastly, I want to tell you and declare, this story tells us, this narrative of the gospel and the meta-narrative of the word tells us that your mission papers have not been taken away. Maybe your job has. Maybe your salary has. Maybe something of the dreams that you had in place have, but I promise you there's still a mandate and a purpose and a mission for your life. And as Jonah sat, he would have gone, well, my my, my prophet status is gone. My success status is gone. I'm sitting in a whale. God, if you can just get me out of here. And God spits him back onto a beach and says, I'm going to speak to you again. This is what God says. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Why? Because God is a God of grace. Because God is consistent and kind. 
Because God is greater than our mess and the vomit that still sits on us. And because God came to earth and Jesus came to earth and He gave us a mandate and He said in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, stop looking just to earth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them, pulling them into the bigger story. And he says, and surely I will be with you always. Say always. Now say it again. Always. I will be with you always. Vomited up on a beach. I will be with you always. You see, Jonah's still smelly and dirty. I don't know about you, but I really dislike the smell of fish. My neighbor's a fisherman, and, and he's invited me to go fishing, and, and I've thankfully de- declined that offer because I'm not a huge fishy guy. Imagine three days in the belly of a fish. And if I was Jonah, I'd be saying, God, God, I'll go on your mission, but I, I need to go somewhere they can clean me up before you send me into Nineveh. No, I imagine Jonah walking around his purpose and his destiny, still smelling a little bit of his past. Still some dead fish lingering on him. Maybe he washed him off and did his best to wash him off, but you don't get that smell out quickly. And God says, regardless of the smell and the stink upon your life, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a mandate for you. I don't need you to have a job on this earth. I've got a, I am the king of kings, and I'm speaking to your heart right now, and I'm saying, I've got a story for you, and the story revolves around one thing, people. See, the mission and the mandate of God is always about people. He keeps calling his men and women to people. And your story right now, I want to tell you, Jonah with this stink, he walks around and then he starts preaching the gospel and 120,000 people get saved. You see, last week I spoke about Paul and how 275 people got saved. But this week, 120,000 people got saved because a guy in the belly of a whale, stinky and dirty, calls out to God and makes a statement of faith. Salvation comes from God alone. He was locked down in love. Not locked down in judgment, locked down in despair, locked down in anxiety, locked down in fear. He was locked down in the provision, the grace, the goodness of a God who says, surely I will be with you always. So this story shows us some simple things. Number one, the safest place. You're looking for a safe place right now? The safest place is with your God, in His provision, in His hand, in His presence, and staying there. Number two, our salvation is always greater than our circumstance because our Savior is always greater than our storm. God's eye is not off you. And lastly, your mission papers have not been taken away. You are called to love people. Will you love your neighbor at this time? Maybe just with a conversation over a wall, maybe a meal, maybe airtime. I don't know what it looks like, but will you love your neighbor at this time? This is not a time for the church to love the church and get inward looking and gather around. This is a time for the church to love the world, to be the light and the shining light that changes everything, that brings Him glory and reveals His wonder and His splendor and the commissioning papers are still upon your life regardless of securities in this world. Can we stand together in this moment? I don't know where you're at, but will you allow the grace of God to come upon you in this moment? Maybe if we close our eyes, if you're on your own, still close your eyes. If you're in a room, close your eyes with your family. It's an incredible statement of theology. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. 
What idols are you clinging to now? Let me tell you about something called repentance. It's got a bad rap and people have got it wrong, but repentance simply means turn. Turn back to God. Turn from your ways. Turn from your idols and turn and fix your eyes on Jesus. Just turn. Will you repent now? As idols are being revealed, securities that should be in God, in finances, in salaries, in jobs, Oh, Mark, you, you're minimizing a big thing. I'm not minimizing a big thing. I'm maximizing an even bigger thing. The promises of the Almighty God, who though we might be in the belly of a whale, we are still locked down in His love. Right now, simply pray this, Lord, I repent. Yeah, say it with me. Lord, I repent of the idols I've allowed to take my attention. And I fix my eyes on you again now. And I cry out from the belly of this whale called lockdown during the coronavirus. And I pray, God, will you lock me down in your love in this time? Would you settle knees that are shaking, hearts that are struggling, minds that are becoming wrapped in anxiety now? as we fix our eyes on you, we repent of giving anything else, anything else, too much attention, too much love, too much adoration, and we give it to you this morning. That is my repentance, privilege, and the grace that it comes upon my life. Oh, thank you, Lord. One more thing as we rush off, before we rush off. He makes this incredible statement to his soul. He shouts it to his fears. He shouts it to his anxieties and he shouts it to his future. He says, salvation comes from the Lord. What statements can you shout to your fears right now that'll make any difference? I've got this much in my bank account. I've got this much in my story. I've worked this hard. I've got this position at work. See, it's times, crazy times. The big word, unprecedented times, like this, that all that stuff gets exposed. And will you make the statement to your fears, your anxieties, and your future? The salvation comes from the Lord today. Can we close our eyes one more time? I want to pray with those. You're saying, Mark, I might have prayed it before, but, but I don't know. I don't know if I can shout it now. I don't know if there's too much dirt on me. I don't know if I've been in the belly of the whale too long. Or maybe you're there and you've been dragged into the room by family and friends. I want to tell you, wherever you're at, the grace of God is there like He was there with Jonah, like He was there with David on the battlefield, like He was there with Daniel in the lions, but He is with you in your lockdown. Cry out to Him. Say with me, Father, I come to you today and I receive the washing because of the perfection of the blood of Jesus. Today I am yours. The old me is passed away. The new me is alive in the promises, the purposes of an almighty God who is greater than this storm, who is greater than any storm. And He is the greatest of my heart. Jesus, thank you for your love. Spirit of God, thank you that you are with me and you are here and you are revealing the Father and revealing the Son. Today, I receive your salvation. 
Yeah, I said it right. You receive it. Receive it today. We worship your King. Give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. We fix our eyes on you today and say, there is no one like our God. And in the midst of this storm, as we are locked down in your love, we say there is no one like our God. We praise you, King. Amen.